Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Tonight, I'm really super thrilled because I have one of the authors of Empathy in Action. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much for joining my podcast. And dear audience, now you know, Natalie Petthoff is together with me. And it's really, I say, thank you very much for your time. It's really great to have you on my podcast. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Perfect. Uh, before we start deep diving in uh, your book and for the people watching this video, you see the nice cover in the, in the background of Natalie. Uh, we would like to uh, learn more about you. And therefore, Natalie, could you please shortly introduce yourself? Sure. I'm someone who's very passionate about thinking about other people's feelings and needs. And I think that's really the origination of the book and the topic. Um, one of the values that really drives me in life is uh, authentic, genuine communication. Um, and I think what I really learned as I was writing this book is the value of empathy. So you start out with a topic, you think you really know it, and it's not until you actually get into it and you start to digest it and then you practice it you know becoming an empathy practitioner is very different than you know, writing applied theory and so I'll tell you a short story so I had a friend um, who had gone to a concert got pushed down his face got cracked open and it was like 2 30 in the morning and he called me and he said um do you have any super glue and I said it's 2.30 in the morning. What are you calling me for super glue? And um, he, he, showed, he did FaceTime. He showed me his face. And I said, okay, I really think you need liquid bandage. And he goes, no, no, no. I want I want super glue. So I rummage through my drawers. I can't find it. I go to the, the drugstore. And I'm standing there with a tube of super glue and a tube of liquid bandage in my hand. And, I, and my gut is saying buy what he asked for, but my brain, the part that thinks I'm right, is thinking buy liquid bandage. So I compromised and I bought both. So I delivered them and um, a couple of days later, he knocks on my door and uh, and he had had to shave off his eyebrow because he had put the super glue on and it wasn't a good choice. And he said, now I want to thank you for your generosity, and but mostly because you didn't do what you thought was right. You actually heard me. I felt acknowledged and seen. And even though you were right, super glue was not the right answer. He said, you sat in my shoes, you heard me and you delivered what I asked for. And so that's, you know, one of the many, many stories that when you actually start to practice empathy and you sit in the other person's shoes and you understand what they want and need, and then deliver it, even though your, you know, logic brain is saying, I know the answer. Um, it, it has a profound effect on the friendship and the relationship. 
And so what I learned through that experience was how many times as leaders and managers do we do what we think is right from our point of view versus the customer or the employee? And it's almost 100% because we think we know. So empathy is one of my my big values. Thank you for uh, for this great story. And now we understand better why you've wrote such a book, Empathy in Action. And please, dear audience, take the time to buy this book and to read this book because it's really full of insight. And now we are going to unpack them together with uh, Natalie. Um, let's let's start. You you you're saying um, you you're using the word empathy. Perhaps to to really kick off the discussion, what's your definition, and also in particular in the customer experience, customer service field. So it's interesting because a lot of people pick up the book. One, they think they're already doing it. I can tell you that ninety nine percent of people are not, right. And you look at the number of layoffs, you look at the, the how many companies are not meeting their revenue goals, it's because they're not employing this new business model, empathy as a business concept. So people think it's sympathy, right? And they think I'm building a kumbaya factory. Um, and sympathy is really hearing what someone says and saying, I'm so sorry that happened, right? And then it's usually from our own perspective, It's a feeling of compassion or maybe pity. And empathy is the practice of sitting in the seat of someone else, seeing their point of view, and then acting in a new way, right? And what I find is almost sometimes you you are being empathetic, but oftentimes, especially in business, we're acting from where we think is right. And so in terms of customer and employee experience, Think about it. So, for instance, when a customer interacts with an SMS bot, right, or chat bot, do they want the interaction to be long? Do they want to have to repeat themselves? No. If it gets transferred to an agent, does the agent want to have to listen to the long story? No. But the way that we've set up customer and employee experience, that's exactly what happens. And so what's fascinating is when you look at the experience from the employee and the customer's point of view, they want it short, they want it easy, they want to get it done, they want to move on. So they want, like when you look at average handle time or first contact resolution, that's what the employee and the customer want, but it's also what the company wants. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing at DoorDash But basically, we've taken our chat sessions from 10 to 15 minutes to five because we're employing empathy. We're actually sitting in the seat of the customer and the employee, and we're reconfiguring how we deliver those experiences. Some of it's technology, some of it's process, some of it's just looking at it from a different point of view. So for me, the definition of empathy is really looking at those experiences from the customer's point of view. And when you do that, you also meet the business goals and you actually reduce your 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 costs and you increase your revenue. But then it's not, it's one of those things and you probably get it, but it's not one of those things that's very obvious to many people um, because people think, oh, you want me to spend more money? I'm like, no, I want you to spend less money. I want, I want you not to spend any money on attrition. 
for agents. I want you to get your customers in and out very quickly. I want your customers to be so happy with the experience that they return and they tell others, right? And the way that we're doing experiences now where self-service ends up in a dead end and agent interactions are very long and take a lot of questions and time, it's not a satisfying experience for anybody. And it costs the company more. Exactly. I, I think that's uh, one one big example you are using now, an um, example from the USA, but the, facing the similar experience in Europe, we are always speaking about being uh, customer-centric, focusing on the customer, focusing on the employees, preaching about that. But then when discussed with uh, uh, customer centers, they are always measuring only average speed of answer, average ending time. And they are not really focusing on the real transformation that now technology can do. It's simplifying processes, uh, improving processes, and then going to automation so that you have less time for discussion and the remaining time that you gain, you can reinvest to create value for the customer and being empathetic with, uh, with them. Based on that, you shared and, and it's really super interesting because and not so often I see in customer experience book or employee experience related books also some mathematics equation and you have a nice uh, equation is the empathy in action equation. Could you please share a bit about that? So, so the business-centric equation is business-centric efficiency, business-centric effectiveness, and that gives you a certain value right and so that's when you know i used to be a forester analyst so the things that we talked about were you know reducing average speed of answer reducing average call time or increasing first contact resolution but we were doing it by employing business-centric logic what's best for the business and oftentimes especially up until now where we are in this new fifth industrial revolution with technology, oftentimes that thinking and the technology and the way it got deployed would decrease the average, you know, the increase the efficiency and effectiveness, but it would do so at the, and it would compromise the experience. So the empathy equation is really about looking at efficiency and effectiveness from the customer's point of view. And when you do that, you also gain the value to the business, but you gain additional value. So efficiency would be, did I um, get my question answered quickly, right? So if you, if you have a dumb bot that asks, who are you, where have you been, what do you need? And then it gives you a bunch of canned answers or even some AI answers, but they never quite hit what you want then that's not a very um, efficient process. And then the person figures out, oh, well, I'm just going to get transferred to an agent. So now you pay for self-service technology that ends up in a dead end. It gets transferred to the agent. Now the agent, if they don't have customer journey analytics, right, and they have no knowledge of where the customer has been or what they've been doing, and that doesn't get transferred to the agent desktop, then what happens is the customer service agent has to say, maybe they know who you are, right? Because maybe the Annie identified that, but what have you been doing? How can I help you? And then the customer has to go into this long story, 
right? And that's the way that the technology has been set up up until now. And so that's why average handle time is high. That's why agent stress is so high because they have to ask the same freaking questions over and over and over. like I don't I don't know how they do their job. I give them so much credit because I couldn't do that job. So what if you transferred all that information about the customer's interaction? Maybe they were on a website, they were looking at paint, they have something in their shopping cart, you see them uh, migrate over to the FAQs, and then they want to chat, right? That chat bot should be able to answer the question, or if they need more help or it needs to be transferred to an agent, that agent, agent should have all that information pop to the desktop, and they should say, hi, Nat, I see you're looking at paint, you have this in your shopping cart, is this what you have a question about? right? Get to the answer. And so when you do that, now you're getting the customer what they need right away, right? And maybe you can upsell or cross-sell them because you know something about them and you can add value. Um, And it's not just a generic blue light special, like everybody gets the same upsell, right? But you're actually understanding that person and what they need and what they want. And then the agent isn't so tired. They're not, not hating their job, right? So now you have a happy customer who got what they needed, who's going to buy more, who's going to tell all their friends. There's customer lifetime value. There's your loyalty. There's your trust. There's your revenue. And then for the for the agent, they're not bored with their job. They feel satisfied. They feel that they've given somebody help because that's what they're there to do. That is their job. And they're not frustrated by it. So now we're lowering your attrition. So the equation really represents the old way about thinking about business from a business-centric point of view versus the customer and the employee-centric point of view. And when you do that, then that's when you're going to get the exponential value out of your technology and your people. Related to to empathy, and I think that's that's really super interesting because you are share you are sharing a lot of nuggets. And one thing that you mentioned is technology until now. And I know that in the book you are sharing the fifth uh, um, industrial revolution. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? So what I did, I, I like history, and I like to go back and look at where we've been, and if. There's a couple charts in the book, and one is it is that it shows the productivity and the capabilities of technology going up exponentially, right? And so when you look all the way back from the beginning, when our first tools were like fire and stone and wheels, like basics, right, to where we are today with semiconductors and computers and now AI, right, all the different technologies, you see an exponential change in the capabilities. And so the link really is when you look back at the first industrial revolution, you see very, very basic tools, right? That allowed us to make steel and buildings and glass and build skyscrapers. And so cars, Boeing, Ford, all those inventors who did really amazing things. Now you look at where we are today for the first time in history, we now have technology that can be focused on human need and to be focused on providing what people need. What does the customer need? What does the employee need? And so the now what can happen is back in the early 1800s or earlier in Europe, when you look at the first industrial revolution, 
everything was focused on business-centric efficiency, right? Reducing costs, increasing productivity, and a lot of wealth for those particular business owners. Today, we can start to think about not only providing great products, but also great services, great experiences, right? And so when you look at the evolution of human beings and what they want and they need, right? Needs were different back then. They're they're very, I mean, customers make decisions about buying from a company based on one experience. So it, it we are now, whether you um, are selling pencils or cars or cell phones, you are in the experience business. And so whatever that experience is, not only with the product itself, right? Someone buys it, they use it, say it's a pencil and you go to a race and the eraser, after you race a little bit, it falls off. And then the lead doesn't stay sharp. Are you ever going to buy that pencil again? No, you're going to buy somebody else's pencil, right? And then when you try to ask a question, get service, do a return, if that's a horrible experience, are you going to go back there again? No. So we... I think that that's one of the, and one of your questions was what is experience as a service, right? We are in an experience economy. I mean, I also have Joe Pine's book up here because uh, he's really, I would say, the the uh, godfather of the experience economy. And um, companies really need to think about that. And now we have technology with different capabilities and we need to apply that with a new mindset. Because if we take the old mindset and we take the new technologies and apply it in the same way, we're probably not going to get that exponential return. But if we we actually change our mindset and go, okay, when I design my technology, right, all the vendors who are designing technology, or as a business, when I implement the technology, now I'm going to change my mindset. And the mindset is, how can I make this wildly successful and a great experience for my customers and for my employees. And when you do that, what you're going to find is that's where you're going to get your business results. And that's why everybody's stuck right now. I think what you are saying, it's it's extremely interesting. And you're saying to to transform and going through this transformation. I know from other um, keynotes that you were giving and other podcasts you were discussing on, uh, you shared also something extremely interesting, that in reality, customers and employees are not on the balance sheet. But without customer and without uh, employees, there is no value to be written into 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 the balance sheet of uh, of companies could you please elaborate a bit on that well i found that fascinating because when we started down this path i had to ask myself how come customer experience and employee experience is still a topic that most of us who are in this field are constantly trying to pitch up to the cxo office Right? Why is it so hard for people to actually understand the value? So I isolated those, the employees and customers, and I said, are they on the balance sheet? It doesn't. So when you think about assets in a company, you, know, you have buildings, you have software, you have technology, you have all these things, and they're accounted for on the balance sheet. But the two critical components in a business are customers and employees because without employees, 
there's no one to create products and services. And without customers, there's no one to buy them. And so essentially, without these two assets, you do not have a business. And yet, we don't make them a priority. And so part of the soapbox that I'm on um, is to try and say, look, this is old thinking. We really have to think about them. You can't think, oh, well, you know, there used to be, be a saying about, well, if you don't want your job, then there's 100 people lined up outside the door that will take it. Or we could just get more customers, right? And we're reaching a point in time where that those old sayings and those old thought patterns are no longer true. Because customers have choices with the advent of the internet, the advent of online shopping, with the advent of online reviews. If you're not a good actor, right, you're not doing good business, everybody knows and everybody tells everybody else. And at some point, it's going to catch up with you. So why not start now? I mean, and that's what I'm so excited about DoorDash and my other customers is they, and not everybody, like there's, it's kind of like Joffrey Moore's technology adoption curve. It's the empathy adoption curve. There are some companies that read this and get it and like, nah, come and help us. Like we want to do this right away. And others are like, oh, we're doing it. And others are like, nah, it still doesn't matter. So it's 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 fascinating being an observer of all of this. I, I think what you're saying it's 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 really interesting, and you are sharing also that the first customer are already trying to to implement it. What what it's what's the experience with them? What what are their questions to start and kick off? So what's interesting is David and I did not know each other. Um, he bought the book a year ago. Uh, when it first came out, he read it and he was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like for any CX person, this is everything that I've been thinking about compiled in one book. And I was like, that's very flattering, but that's, I wanted it to be a one-stop shop, right? I wanted it to be the why and the what. And now I'm working on book two, which is the how, right? And so part of what I'm doing with, with DoorDash, so David read the book, started to think about it. And he's, he's already been working on implementing this for about eight months. And they have great results, but they feel like they've done as much as they can. And when I started to go through and I, I said, okay, and I, I actually went down to San, San Salvador to one of his contact centers. And I said, David, what we want to do is we want to look at the framework. So the framework for implementing empathy is to look at culture, to look at leadership, to look at metrics and your financial business model and the technology. And he's like, wow, we only did a little bit. And some of them we didn't touch at all because we didn't know what we didn't know, or we didn't have the skills, right? So now what I'm putting together for brands is kind of um, a framework to really go deeper than what the book currently does and to help them understand how do you do this? So it's a little bit of assessing where you are currently and understanding in those four categories that have like a whole bunch of drop downs underneath each one, and then understanding where you are today, what's possible, and we don't even know what's going to be possible in the future, right? So those are going to be our stretch goals. And as I help companies implement this, what I'm learning, okay, this is this is what they read, this is what they understood, this is where they're at. And now here's how I can help them go to the next level and really realize these savings and increase in revenue.
it's super interesting and i know i'm going off script but sometimes good contact center agents are going off script and um you you mentioned something that i think it's really interesting everybody reads your book from the beginning to the end because it's really super interesting and then everybody has a bit of different understanding or wants to set some um, points here on and that um how can you ensure that you and your customer, you have the same understanding of empathy in action? So part of what we've been doing is actually reading the book together. So we'll, the team will read a chapter and then we'll have discussion groups. And when people actually verbalize their thoughts, and it's not like anybody's wrong, there's no wrong here, right? But it's interesting because when you think about it, right, it's a book about empathy, when you think about it, each person is putting themselves, and I, and as an author, I have to put myself in their shoes, listen to what they're saying because they're reading it and interpreting it from their point of view, right? And sometimes they come up with stuff I didn't think about, right? And that's that's the value of teams and diversity, right? Is that and including other people in this process. Because they come up with things that I'm like, wow, that's really good. Let's do that, right? So it's really fun for me because I'm learning with them. Um, I also think that um, part of it is doing the assessment. So saying, and the assessment that I have built um, will change over time because as I learn more and, and how people are actually trying to implement this in a corporate environment um, and and assessing, you know, in detail, all those things, you see how they interpret it. And you also see where they're at, right? I mean, one of the things everybody pretty much misses is organizational change, right? And so there's kickback and, oh, I don't know, why are we doing this? And, you know, oh, initiative de jour, right? And so I learned a long time ago when I was a management consultant that you have to do some org change. Otherwise, you get a lot of resistance. And the resistance is what, what increases the timed goal, right? So why would why would you leave that out? But a lot of people don't have that background. Um, they don't know how to assess where the attitudes and mindsets are, and then how do you move people along? Some of it's training, really just getting getting the definition of empathy versus sympathy, um, having people really understand because they think it's an HR book, right? So they think it's about just the people part. And so getting them to understand that a lot of what we want to do can be done with technology at scale. So really having people understand, yes, culture is really important. Hiring, onboarding, training, rewarding, incentives, really important. Leadership, having leaders be able to speak about this, having them having a talk track that they believe in, right? That they can say with conviction and it's not just something that they're saying. Um, really looking at that financial business metrics, what are we measuring in the contact center and why? And does it make sense? And from whose perspective? And then technology, right? So technology is a really big part of this, whether it's you know using assessments to be able to hire people or you know the, the different pieces of HR, right? But there's a much bigger component in the actual customer and employee experience. So looking at all the CCAS vendors, looking at all the experience vendors, looking at all the CRM vendors. So part of it is assessing technology and determining, does that technology really help the customer and the employee get what they need in the moment, real time? 
or is it somehow hindering that? And I think that you can only see that in comparison and in retrospect, because up until now, whatever we had was the best that we could do. But now when you compare it to what could be happening, now you go, oh, I see, there's the gap. And so now I'm working with vendors who are really um, transforming their products, right? So part of this is a partnership. Part of this is the business and the business organization. Part of it is to really scale this and to take it to the future, you know, 100 years or 200 years, or hopefully this never stops um, because empathy just makes sense. Um, Helping vendors really understand how their product itself is hindering a great experience. And most of them don't think that they are, right? And it's only when I say, well, does this happen? Does this happen? You're a customer. When you experience this, how does that make you feel? Well, it's horrible. Okay, so your product does that though. So how can we help you get your product not to do that? It's it's extremely interesting, and there are a lot of topics that that you are touching. If I understand well, and please correct me, if uh, companies want to implement empathy in action, it you suggest to start with an assessment, and basically after the assessment with all the different drop downs, uh, you have an outcome. The question that I would have your suggestion is to start where the bigger biggest pain points are or to double down on the strengths that they already have to differentiate in the market? What's your view and what are you suggesting to your customers? It kind of depends on what their goals are, right? And it also depends on their appetite. So as a consultant, you always want to start where the customer is. Employee empathy, right? So where are they most excited? Where can they see the value, right? So I might, you know, I would, in a perfect world, I want them to attack everything, Well, having been in corporate America for a very long time, uh, an organization can only digest so much. So, you know, if there's someone who's really passionate about culture or really passionate about getting their leaders trained, I mean, they often ask me, where do we start? Right. And so it kind of depends. Did you try? Have you started this on your own? And where are you in that process? Um, And then where do you see the low hanging opportunities? Right. What's going to be easiest for your organization to adopt. And then let's start there and have some successes. So how I've had success before is picking places where people are excited. It's possible to have success so that you can build on that success. And the people go, hey, what are they doing over there? That looks really interesting. I want to do that too, right? And then you build on that and you build the excitement and people, people are, you know, that they fuel their own excitement at that point. It's not just me kind of pushing new ideas and saying it's more of a pull. It's like, well, now what can we do here? And what can we do here? And what about this? And I want you to talk to these people over here. And so you want to create a a pull versus a push. I think that's always extremely important in organizational and in change management to pull and and not to push. And I think while companies are then progressing, implementing this uh, empathy in action, how can you measure the progress? And uh, to to add and complete the question, how can you measure empathy? So the measurement of empathy is the degree to which you're doing things that 
get the customer what they need. So we'll just focus on the customer for a second. So when when I'm working with DoorDash, one of the things was uh, what David termed flowerly flowerly language. So when someone calls and says, hey, you forgot my eggs, the typical response from the agent would be, oh, wow, we forgot your eggs. We're so sorry. Breakfast is a very important part of our meal. Um, you know, that, that must be really frustrating and going on and on. So what we discovered was that when a customer says something, like you forgot my eggs or I didn't get my drink or, or my stuff is cold or whatever it is. Right. And, and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't just apply to DoorDash. It applies to any company because a customer calls and says, I need help. I have a question. This didn't work out. Right. So instead of, let's say a customer calls and to them in that moment, they're saying the house is on fire. So would you say, Oh, I'm so sorry that your house is on fire. That must be really frustrating. Having a house that's not on fire is really important to your lifestyle. Like the customer would want to strangle you, right? Through the phone or through the computer. So when a customer says the house is on fire, showing empathy and measuring whether you're delivering empathy is the way that you respond. And the way that you would respond is, I'll get the hose. So, and part of measuring that is looking at the length of the chat or the call. Because when you go through all that, blah, 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 it makes the interaction longer, makes the customer frustrated. They don't leave a good recommendation, right? But if you get the customer what they need, you're reducing that chat time, you're reducing um, the frustration and you're getting the person what they need. So part of what David and team have done is to look at their interactions and create a matrix to be able to evaluate in the interaction, are we delivering empathy, right? And they have their own particular formulation of how they evaluate those interactions. And then based on that, so they work with the agents and they help the agent understand here's what empathy does not look like and here's what empathy looks like and so one you can start to look at the number of interactions that show empathy and don't based on the set of criteria and then what you see when you deploy empathy is the average handle time and first contact resolution goes up and this is something that all the companies are looking for because this drives also efficiency. And the big question, does companies want to invest the time for creating value or keep only the, the cost reduction with the decrease of uh, of everything what, what you shared uh, earlier? Uh, taking care also of the time and we uh, and ensuring that we keep the discussion. I still have one question and it's about the future. Let's say in 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Schoolkeeper podcast. I hope that you will be back earlier, but in this case, in 10 years from now, uh, what we are discussing about? I think we'll be discussing about how we're applying the latest technology. So right now it's chat GPT, right? And AI, and that's like the whole conversation. Um, I think that technology is gonna continue to expand. It's gonna continue to change. And what I'm hoping, the goal of this book was to not separate technology from business, 
but to actually bring IT and the business together. And so my goal is that every company gets excited about empathy because it's the right thing to do by their customers and employees. Um, maybe we won't have another great resignation or a quiet quit, right? Like all these divisive things that employees are doing because their experience at work is not good, right? And then the response of companies is to lay everybody off, right? And so I'm hoping that leadership becomes skilled in the science of empathy and the implementation as a new business concept. And that it won't be me um, trying to convince people but rather a poll where people are like, oh my God, I want to learn about this. And like, they just naturally are implementing this. So right now there's a handful of companies that are I'm talking to and, and, and helping, but I hope that that expands to every single company on the planet. And I suggest to a lot of companies to be enough smart to approach you now that you have time to explain that <laughs> because later it could be a bit difficult because that, that's the way to go. It's uh, We are in a human business and uh, empathy is one of the most important values that we have and we care about because we need to care about people. We we are coming to, to an end of this game, of this discussion. In the extra time, I still have two questions for you. Uh, what's the best way to find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Nat, Dr. Natalie Padahoff, um, or my website, Dr. Natalie News. And um, yeah, just IM me if you want more information or uh, information on how to get the book. Um, the book is on Amazon. Um, the audio book is coming out soon. Um, it's been all recorded. I actually recorded my own intro. Um, so that was very fun. And um, yeah, the audiobook it's up to Amazon when they put it up. So, but you can find it in any any bookstore. Thank you very much. And dear audience, you will find also the information in the show notes, with including all the links to find this outstanding book that I really suggest. Empathy in action. It's an outstanding book. Thank you very much, Natalie, for your time. Before we conclude. One last question is Natalie's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. Uh, become an empathy practitioner. It will change your life. Whether you use empathy, that skill of really listening to the other person, whether it's a family member, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, someone you're in a relationship with at work, it will literally transform your life. I've had personal transformations and, and, and like you write the book. So you think, you know, and every single day I see something and learn something new. So I encourage you to, to become an empathy practitioner. That's something that I love because we are not learning about business, but we are learning also something for our personal life. This is the conclusion of the podcast. Natalie, please stay, stay with me, dear audience. It, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much I, as I did. If you didn't do it during the podcast, please now go to Amazon, buy the book. It's really worth it. And uh, take the time to read it, understand it, and contact Natalie for any question. Thank you very much and have a nice evening. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget... We are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!